This is a Vision Australia radio podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to Talking Tech, this edition available from June the 6th, 2023. I'm Stephen Jolly, great to be back with you after my little break, coming to you through Vision Australia Radio, Associated Stations of RPH Australia and the Community Radio Network. There is also the podcast, if you haven't caught up with that yet, all you need to do is search for the two words, Talking Tech, and then it can all come, usually on a Tuesday afternoon just after it's been produced. Another option is to ask your Siri device or smart speaker to play Vision Australia Radio Talking Tech Podcast. Vision Australia Radio Talking Tech Podcast. With me, someone who's always here, someone who can explain all this tech stuff really well, Vision Australia's National Advisor on Access Technology, David Woodbridge. David, good to be back. Yes, welcome back on board. We uh, managed to hold down the fort, both Michael and I were away for four weeks, so... It's actually gone very quickly, actually, so I don't believe it's June already. It's, a, it's just amazing. So thanks to Michael Hart. Uh, both of you did a sterling job over the last four weeks. It was very interesting listening to it from the other side of the world. <laughs> and a few things I discovered while I was away that uh, we might talk about in the next week or so uh, mm. if the opportunity arises. Mm. So before we get on to the main issue of the day, which is the Worldwide Developers Conference of Apple and the keynote address, let's talk about... NVDA, because it's uh, been getting a bit of attention in the media lately. Firstly, can you explain what NVDA is for those who are not aware? Mm, NVDA actually stands for Non-Visual Desktop Access, and it's a free, yes, F-R-A-A, screen reader for Windows, which is used right around the board by lots and lots of people. It's a really, really good screen reader. So if you think the current version of Narrator is pretty good, then get your hands on NVDA because it's actually even better because it's been developed now for over a a good decade. And the fact that it's Australian-made is pretty amazing as well. Michael Curran and Jamie Tay are the two Australians behind NVDA and they were featured in Monday night's Australian story on ABC television and that's available through ABC iview with audio description I'm pleased to say so well worth catching up with if you're in Australia uh, you'll be able to get it quite easily it is geo-blocked outside Australia but Yeah, it's a good one. This week's Australian story about uh, the founders and the drivers of screen reader NVDA. David, you were up at three o'clock Tuesday morning for the Great Apple event, the Worldwide Developers Conference keynote address. How was it? Overall, it was it was pretty good, and, and let's just get out, this out of the way first of all, because I'm I'm sure people are going, is it here? Is it here? Is it here? Well, it's here and not here in a way. So of course, I'm talking about the mixed reality headset from Apple, which is going to be called the Vision Pro. And just to put your mind at rest, it's not going to be available until 2024. And by some of the stuff that I was reading on social media. It's going to be also talked about at next year's WWDC 24, and it may not even be available in the US only towards the end of 2024. So don't throw away your current Envision or ARX or AllCams because it's going to take a little while for the Vision Pro to find its own feet, as it were. So what did they explain about Apple Vision Pro? 
It's both a virtual reality headset and an augmented reality headset. So I think from memory, it's got seven cameras in it. It's also got LiDAR. It's got other sensors to do with your eye movements. It can track gestures. It's got apparently amazing audio stuff, spatial audio. You'll be able to use your compatible Vision Pro apps as well as compatible iOS and iPad OS apps. And where it becomes extremely interesting is that if you think all the apps that we currently use on the iPhone and to some extent on the iPad for object recognition, door detection, people detection, all that sort of cool stuff, including optical character recognition and so on, that's the type of stuff that could be quite easily done on the headset. Now, the only thing about the headset, which I found a bit amazing, was it actually has to use an external battery pack, which is attached to a very little flexible wire that runs down to a, a battery that sits in your pocket. And you only get two hours of usage out of the headset. Now, I've been in meetings or watching movies that last for more than two hours, so I don't quite know how to get a cope with people wanting to you know watch a movie in this sort of amazing 3d spatial audio scape and because it it also mentions eye tracking so that way you can you know you can navigate the interface because it knows through sensors what you're looking at on these little led screens in front of your eyes and they also mentioned the fact that you can also control the headset via voice via your hand gestures and also via maybe even things like game controllers and that sort of stuff. So I think where voiceover fits into this system is going to be quite easy because we can already control voiceover gestures via our voice already on our iOS devices. So it's not a big imagine thing to imagine we can do the same thing on the, the headset. Um, side of people are outraged, Stephen, about the price of this thing. It's going to be $3,500 us and i saw some people on twitter saying well now the cider community knows what it's like to buy assistive technology because it's about the same price anyway mm. i think one thing also that people are going to be wondering about if it's using eye movement a lot how's that going to work for someone's eyes that don't function the normal way a blind person well, that's why I mentioned the fact that you can use it in other ways. So remember the feature in FaceTime where you can turn off um, your true eye identification. So again, that's people that don't have or may have false eyes or can't look at the screen properly. That's a function you can already turn off in FaceTime. So I'm assuming that's going to be another option you can turn off because if you're a voiceover user, that FaceTime thing about you looking at the screen to unlock your phone that's turned off automatically if the iOS determines you're using voiceover. And I would assume that as soon as you invoke voiceover, it's going to go, okay, well, I'm going to be assuming by default that you can't use your eyes appropriately to see what's happening on the little screen in front of you. So we'll turn that option off and you're primarily going to be relying on voice and hand gestures. So one of the hand gestures was things like tapping your finger and thumb together to activate a thing, which is you, you can already do that with hand gestures on the watch. So again, all the previous stuff that's already been around as far as voice control, hand gestures and that sort of stuff, it already exists. And I think when it really hits the market, and accessibility starts getting more involved into the system, 
I think it really is going to be a truly amazing thing. And for me, when you think about things like the all-cam and other devices, you know, are up around between the five to $7,000 mark, this thing's in the same price range. So for me, as a blind person, it's not an outrageous price to, to pay for a virtual reality, augmented reality, and everything else we can use it for as a blind person system. Yes, it'll be interesting to see how all this unfolds. Now, let's go quickly through the other announcements and the really uh, upgrades to existing products. Uh, There's some new Macs and there's upgrades to the operating systems, Mm. and we'll be able to dwell on these in more detail in the coming weeks. Let's start with new Macs. Yeah, the new Mac Air 15, which is, of course, got the M2 chip in it, that sounded actually really interesting. So again, it's a you know it's thinner and it's faster. They also mentioned the updated version of the Mac Studio, which is a lot of people use for video processing and so on. That's got the M2 chip in it. And interestingly, they finally got around to updating the Mac Pro, which is like the machine house of video editing and 4K rendering and all that sort of really cool stuff. And it's got slots in it. It's got PCI slots in it. So if you want to, God forbid, extend the functionality of the computer, you can put things in these slots. So that's really great. So for the, you know, for the general programming software engineer, the Mac Studio is good. But for the really high-end, high-performance person that wants to get the highest productivity out of a computer, the Mac Pro is the best way to go. Now, operating systems, iOS 17. Yeah, look, I quite agree with what you said before, Stephen. It's more of a feature update because a lot of the things in there, to some extent, could have been quite easily done in, you know, iOS 16.7 or 8. Quite a lot of visual things that got updated to do with emojis and how things look on the screen and that sort of stuff. Some of the things that caught my attention, of course, was from an accessibility point of view is you don't have to use the word H-E-Y, Siri, anymore. You can just say Siri. And the other really cool thing for me, so that I really am going to check out, is the, the dictation. Um, besides auto-detect uh, for you know correcting words, they also said that the voice dictation is a lot better now. But one thing of concern for me is that nowhere in that whole keynote, which ran for two hours and six minutes, do they mention the magic word AI, artificial intelligence. They mentioned machine processing, but nothing about AI. But the only thing that stuck out for me for iOS 17, the Siri stuff, of course, there was no mention this time around of accessibility. And like I said, improvements, but I don't know if there's anything to really get excited about. What about the iPad? One cool thing about the iPad, besides the fact that you can have these cool widgets and you can do lots of things with your lock screen, you can now actually use the health app on your iPad OS. Inside that health app, and this goes for both your iPhone and your iPad, there's two new health options. There's mental health, so you can keep notes about your current mental health Uh, what may be triggering it, and you can also do some little assessments to see how you may be going. And the second one, which is going to be really good for for low vision people, is there's a thing in there to track myopia, which is short-sightedness. 
Because apparently one of the effects about um, being short-sighted is you spend too much time in, inside looking at a computer screen or a TV screen or a gaming screen. Uh, so it encourages you to be outside up to 120 minutes a day for daylight, and that improves your overall visual perception and so on. So I thought that was really, really, really good. So for me, the main thing about the iPad OS was that uh, overall health app between your iPhone and your iPad. And drum roll time, the name for the new version of the Mac operating system? Which is Sonama, the new version of the Mac operating system. Safari got updates, FaceTime got updates, and so on. One little thing, actually, widgets just normally sit up in your notifications area. Well, apparently now you can put widgets on your desktop, which makes them much more usable as far as I'm concerned. And the second little thing to do with Safari, and again, this is actually quite a good move, you can turn a web page into a web app that you can then sit on your dock. So, for example, if I wanted to make the shop.visionaustralia.org a web app that would sit on my dock, I can do that. So I just click on, you know, shop.visionaustralia.org on my dock and hey presto, there's the quote web app in its own window, which means I can command tab to it like a normal application. Now that's pretty impressive. And very quickly, tell us about Apple TV and uh, the new Watch OS. I sort of bundled Apple TV and audio into one thing. Now the big thing about that was besides the audio was that you will be able to use your iPhone or iPad continuity camera to do video conference calls linked up to your big screen via your Apple TV and that's an amazing advance. And the watch again, watch OS 10 was more of a, a feature update rather than anything amazing. But to me, it was the little things that were more important overall than huge announcements, so to speak. So that's the Worldwide Developers Conference keynote address on Tuesday morning at 3am Sydney time. Just before we go, a reminder of where people can find details of what we've been talking about in this and previous editions of the program. As always, you can check out our show notes on my blog site, which is davidwoodbr.podbean.com. davidwoodbr.podbean.com to write to the program. You can write to me at Vision Australia, where I work, which is david.woodbridge, how it sounds, at visionaustralia.org. david.woodbridge at visionaustralia.org. This has been Talking Tech. With me has been Vision Australia's National Advisor on Access Technology, David Woodbridge. I'm Stephen Jolly. Take care. We'll talk more tech next week. See you. Thanks for listening to this Vision Australia radio podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Visit varadio.org for more. Vision Australia Radio. Blindness. Low vision. Opportunity.